verse 23. Look at verse 23. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And they came, and, then, and when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses. What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree, which he had cast into the waters. When the waters were made sweet, there he made for them a, a statue and an ordinance that they were... And there he proved them and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and wilt do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all the statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee and I will, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam and were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees and they camped there by the waters. Lord, thank you for tonight. Again, we pray, God, that you would just give us ears to hear from your word, from your blessed spirit, which each, each of us came hungering, I pray, and thirsting. Oh, God, I pray that you'd fill them tonight. Give them exactly what they need for this moment, for this hour, to help them in their circumstance. If there be one in this room who does not know Jesus Christ, dear Father, I pray you'd bring that person to yourself before it's too late. I pray you'd help each one of us as Christians to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A man who was over the disability claims department where he was employed said he used a form that did not always fit the situation as evidenced by one applicant's response. Question number one, when did your impairment first begin to affect you? Answer, when I fell off the loading dock. Question number two, at what point did your condition become severe enough to prevent you from doing your job? Answer, when I hit the ground. <laughs> oh, how well it was going for these folks. They were singing and praising God, but they just come a little ways. They had traveled about 36, 36 miles or 12 miles a day for three days, and they looked and they saw water. Yippity, skippity, we got water. But they went to taste it and it was, ah. It didn't taste that good. You ever had that experience? You bit into something, you wish you didn't bite into it. You drank something, you wish you didn't drink it. It was bitter. It was bitter. They called it Mara. Oftentimes, life is like that. We have expectations, as we talked about. We get enthusiastic. There's excitement. But sometimes, in the midst of that, as these folks had just gone through this wonderful congregational singing and blessing, now they come to a place in life where there's disappointment. There's trouble. There's problems. It reminds me of an article that I read about a man who's caught in a cement mixer. He drove one of those big cement trucks and mixed the cement as he, carries into a, as he carried it to a construction site. The poor fellow was cleaning the cement mixer. He climbed down into it with a hose to wash it out, to wash out the remaining cement. Unfortunately, the hose caught on a lever and pulled the mixer into the on position. 
Suddenly, this man was found himself around, going around and around the cement mixer with no way to get out because the buffeting was so violent. Fortunately, another workman saw the mixture turning and came over to shut it down. He was surpassed, surprised to hear shouts coming from within the mixer. Finally, a wet, bruised, battered man covered with concrete emerged from the mixer, probably another firm convert to Murphy's Law. You ever felt like that? <laughs> you ever felt like you've been through the ringer? Well, there's times in life when we feel the sting of bitterness. Bitterness at death. Naomi understood that. Ruth chapter 1 verse 20. She said unto them, Call me not Naomi, but call me, interesting, Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Hannah, under the bitterness of dearth. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 6, Her adversary also provoked her sore to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb as did as that he did every year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, she so she provoked her, but therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said, Okay, now her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? No. <laughs> so Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Bitterness and disease, of course, in the life of Job. Job 7, verse 11, Therefore I will not refrain my mouth, I will speak in the anguish of my spirit, I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Maybe you've gone through, going through depression, or gone through depression. The psalmist cried out in Psalm 43, verse 3, My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, unto me Where is thy God? The bitterness of danger. Mordecai in Esther chapter 4 verse 1. When Mordecai perceived that all was done, Mordecai rent his clothes, put on sackcloth with ashes, went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry. You ever been there? Ever been the gall of bitterness? Where things didn't go the way you thought they were going to go? When you had expectations? When you had plans? When you was asking God for something and God said no or God said wait God allowed all these difficulties to show himself strong to his own people the thing the circumstance the sick situation you might be dear friend could be very the will of God for your life to teach you lessons why do we go through bitternesses what is the importance of going through those struggles? Well, without a struggle, we would not have Pilgrim's Progress because John Bunyan wrote it from jail. Florence Nightingale, too ill to move from her bed, reorganized the hospitals of England. Semi-paralyzed under the constant menace of sickness, Pasteur was tireless as an attack on the disease. During a greater part of his life, American historian Francis Parkman suffered so acutely that he could not work for more than five minutes at a time. His eyesight was so wretched that he could only scrawl only a few gigantic words on a manuscript, yet he was able to write 20 magnificent volumes of histories. All these things happened through adversity. 
Adversity is part of life. But some people, when they have a little bit of adversity, they want to run from adversity. No, I say, friend, don't run from adversity. Embrace adversity. Embrace adversity. Some of you have endured a bitter childhood. Some of you have gone through bitter sickness. Some of you have gone through a bitter marriage. Some of you have gone through a difficult job. The question is, the bitterness that you're going through, will you make, allow it to make you bitter? Or will you allow God to use it in your life to make you better for God's glory? We see the bitter's waters with the babbling and the blaming of Israel. The Bible says in verse 24, look at it. It says, and they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? The word murmuring, murmur, is the Hebrew word which means to grumble, to complain. They were actually the idea of rebellion. And who were they blaming? Moses. Now, was it Moses' fault? <laughs> you see, when we blame the, the, the God-ordained authority that was, had been placed in their life, they're not blaming Moses. They're really pointing at God. And dear friends, when you blame God-ordained authority in your life, ladies, when you get bitter and murmur against your husband, ooh, be careful. Teenagers, kids, when you get upset and start blaming and murmuring against your parents that God placed over you, be careful. Be careful. Be careful. We got to be careful also about saying things even about the President of the United States. You say, preacher, ooh, that's hard. I know it's hard. But let me ask you, who put him in office? You said fake ballots. No, God did. Why? Could it be because 60 mil, 60, over 63 million babies have been murdered in America? Could it be in our public schools we teach evolution instead of creation? Could it be we teach in schools homosexuality and lesbianism, transgenderism is normal and natural and should be taught? We give kids the authority to change their bodies? Could it be? That we have in office exactly what we deserve. Could it be we have the president that the United States of America deserves? Could it be? No, it wasn't Moses. Dear friend, they were murmuring against God. Be careful about murmuring. Remember, dear friend, every idle word that you utter is written down and you and I will someday give an account of. Be careful little, little tongue what you say, what you speak. Be careful. He that keepeth his mouth and tongue keepeth his soul from trouble. Oh, be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Even the fish, if he kept his mouth shut, would stay out of the frying pan. 
But you know what? They did this continually. If you read Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, Exodus chapter 16, verse 2, the whole congregation of children of Israel murmured against Moses and there in the wilderness. Exodus chapter 17, verse 3, the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore, wherefore is it thou hast brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children of the cattle with thirst? I mean, I mean, you think Moses brought them out of Egypt just to kill them? I mean, that's what his motive was, right? It's some kind of conspiracy. Moses really, really doesn't like us, so he got us all out of here, so he wants to kill us now. <laughs> you know, with all that, that, that that's kind of like, do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> but when you're caught up in sin, it doesn't ever make sense. Numbers 16, 41, but on the morrow, the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, You've killed the people of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 27, they murmured in their you murmured in your tents. We think, oh man, we can go home in the security of our house. We can say whatever we want. No, dear friend, don't you think God can hear you where you live? Yeah, he can hear you wherever you are. They murmured in their tents and said, Because the Lord hated us. He brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us in the land of the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. God hateth us? What happened? Did they forget what God had done in delivering them out of Egypt? Had forgotten the Red Sea? Had forgotten the manna? Had forgotten the protection, the provision, those 40 years in the wilderness? Why do we murmur? Because we forget what God has done for us. We forget. We forget. Dear friend, you're only here tonight because of the grace and mercy of God. It's nothing you've done. It's nothing I've done. Only because of the mercy and grace of God are you sitting there healthy listening to this preacher this evening. We owe everything to him. It's all his. And we will start murmuring against him. We're complaining and shaking our fists at God. Oh, God help us when we do that. If you ever want to anger God, if you ever want to upset God, just start murmuring about the problems in your life. Maybe in mercy God is giving you problems in your life to help you. To help you. To help you. Our Mars are way of God's. First of all, why, are we, why do we go through times of bitterness? Well, bitterness is, first of all, could be God's way of getting our attention. <laughs> you ever, you, you, you ever kind of get hard-headed about stuff? You know, kind of, you, you kind of get in a rut and start going down a way and it's hard to get you out of that rut. Well, Sometimes in life, God brings bitternesses and troubles in our life just to get our attention. Jeremiah 35, 14, the words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, command the sons not to drink wine and perform unto this day that they drink none, but obey the Father's commandment withstanding. I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, but ye hearken not unto me. Jeremiah said, I get up every morning and I tell you, the, I tell you what the Bible says. I tell you what the word of God says, but you don't listen. Matthew 13, 22 he also received seed from the thorns that, as he's heard the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word and he became, becameth unfruitful. Sometimes God speaks to us and the only way to get our attention is for us to go through troubles. 
Many times we're too busy for God. Psalms 25, verse 1 and 2, Unto thee, O Lord, I lift up my soul. My God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let my eye, let my enemies triumph. Let not my enemies triumph over me. The Bible says, and we heard Brother Weston talk about these words so eloquently in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Notice his encouragement. Come. Come unto me. Notice our exhaustion. We labor. We go weary. We go tired. We get exhausted. Notice his ease. I will give you rest. Well, how often do we go to him? Or we, or we kind of like that little child who says, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And God gets our attention and says, no, you can't do it. You can't. You can't. Our bitter wells are sometimes God's call for self-examination. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth the sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have how mercy. Maybe God's trying to get our attention. Maybe it's a time of self-examination. We look at ourselves and examine ourselves and see where we are. You know, the first thing to do when you have persistent problems in your life, the first thing to do is not blame other people for your problems. Let me just tell everybody in this room, you're not a victim. And this whole victimization of what people have nowadays, you have to say, I am not a victim. Amen? I am not a victim. I make, you and I make choices. <laughs> the problems we have in life are not because of something or that or this. We make choices. We need to take responsibility for our choices. Amen? Oh, dear friends, <laughs> we got to examine ourselves. The first thing we do is don't blame somebody else for our problems. The second thing we do is say, Lord, is the problems we have in life, the problem I have in life is something I'm doing. Is it me? Is it me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer? Not my brother, not my sister, but me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. When's the last time you confessed your sins to God? The Bible says to confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When's the last time you went to God and you said, Lord, I have done this, and this, and this, and this, and said it. If you lied, you don't go, now, Lord, you know, I kind of I kind of get it. I kind of didn't tell the truth. No, just say you lied. <laughs> I lied. I was wrong. Forgive me. Maybe God is allowing trouble, trouble in our life to get our attention so we would examine ourselves so we'd get right with him. Don't start blaming others for your problems. Look internally. Thirdly, maybe our world bitternesses are coming in our life and a way to conquer our pride. We all struggle with pride. The Bible says in Proverbs 13:10, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well advised is wisdom. I mentioned that this morning. Proverbs 16:18, pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. I heard a story of a well-respected young seminary professor was reflecting on his first real preaching opportunity. He was young, self-confident. He was sure. He was asked to preach. So he got up, almost swaggered to the pulpit to start his sermon. After a few minutes of trying, he realized it was a little more difficult than he thought. 
He couldn't just get up there and start saying something. It just doesn't happen that way. He actually had to study. He mumbled a few incoherent thoughts with the congregation, sat back down in total despair. An old preacher came to him after church, and all the congregation had left. And he said, young man, if you had gone up the way you came down, you'd have, you'd have come down the way you went up. It's our pride. Sometimes God brings problems and bitternesses in our life just to break our pride. That's the beautiful thing about being willing to confess our faults one to another and pray for one another that we might be healed. That's a beautiful thing about on a regular basis going to your your son or your daughter or to your wife or to your friends or people, your co-workers, and regularly going to them when you need to and say, brother and sister, friend, co-worker, boss, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? When's the last time you said those words to somebody? When's the last time you looked at them and looked at somebody and asked them really to forgive you? Dear friend, if it's, more, if it's been more than a month, it's probably been too long. It's probably been too long. Maybe Mars happened in life to remind us of our weaknesses. St. Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure for this thing I besought the Lord Thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in thy infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I get upset, I get angry, I get mad when things don't go the way I want to. I throw a fit. No, he said, therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He said, preacher, the struggles, the bitterness, I don't like it. It's hard. When you are weak, then you call on God, then you are strong. But when you think you're strong, you really are weak. It's upside down. Everybody's trying to climb the ladder, be the best, pull up, your, pull up your, your bootstraps. No, dear friend. It's not you. It's Christ in you, through you. I can do all things. No, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Marty Moon can do nothing, but I would, in him I can do anything. I can do anything I ought to do. I can do anything that God wants me to do. Only by his power, only by his grace. Maybe bitter, we have bitter t bitternesses in our lives that motivate us to cry out to God. <laughs> you ever cry out to God in your struggle? How many of you know the cartoon strip Ziggy? You know the cartoon name Ziggy? Ziggy's in the open ski country, he's carrying a book with. And he's accompanied by his dog, and he says to his dog, we won't get lost hiking in the woods this time because I brought the cross-country skier trail book. As a matter of fact, Fuzz, this area here looks like none too familiar. I better consult the guide. See, there are three methods of finding our way home. First, there's a coin flip method. I think we'll skip that. Two is a any, meeny, miny, mo method. Some of you tried that. It didn't work out too well. 
Oh, that doesn't sound too good. Here we go. Oh, three is the auditory method. Sounds oppressive, doesn't it? Let's see if it, it goes like this. Uh, get comfortable. Take a deep breath. Uh, yell as loud as you can. <laughs> Some of you will get that about 9 o'clock. You know what sometimes God's doing in our, in our lives? He's causing friction, trouble, so we'll cry out to him. You said, man, that sounds kind of weak. David did it. Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry, the Lord heareth and delivereth him out of all thy troubles. What do you think Jesus did on the cross? He cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When's the last time you cried out to God, Lord, I don't understand. Lord, help me. Lord, I'm struggling. Lord, I'm failing. Lord, I can't do this. When's the last time you cried out to God? Cry with your voice, Psalm 3, 4. Cry unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of this holy hill. Cry daily during your trial. Be merciful, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily, Psalm 86, 3. Cry with humility, Psalm 9, 12. Then he maketh inquisition for blood. He remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Cry with a pure heart, Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Cry, cry and praise. Psalm 56, verse 9 and 10, When I cry unto thee, thou shalt be, then shall my enemies turn back. For this I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. Why do we go through bitternesses? Why do we go through trials? Why God is trying to, maybe God is trying to purify our faith. Maybe he's trying to purify our faith. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, When you greatly rejoice for now, for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Filed for the trial of your faith. Listen to this, how he describes it. Being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. You say, what's my trial? Peter says, your trial is like precious gold. God's trying to refine you. God's trying to make you better. He's trying to make you like gold. Though it be tried with fire, it might be found in the praise and honor and glory of the appearing in Jesus Christ. Moses wrote and through the Holy Spirit, Deuteronomy 8, 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what is in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep the commandment or no. Remember? God went to Abraham. Why did he go to Abraham and ask for his son, his only son Isaac, to see if Abraham loved his son Isaac or him more. And sometimes in God's providence and sovereignty, he will test us to see, not out of spite, not because he's not a good God, because he loves us and wants to see us grow. I don't know about you, but the times that I've grown the most in my Christian life has been through trials. That's when I've had to get on my face before the Lord and say, forgive me, help me, show me. In times of ease, which we all enjoy, it seems a time where it's easy to backslide, isn't it? The Hebrews revealed their weak faith because they were focused on Moses. Instead of realizing this test, this trial, was coming from God. Dear friends, sometimes 
the only way we're going to grow patience. The only way we're going to grow, through tr- go, grow in our spiritual life is through tr- trouble. God uses bitterness or, or struggles to sift through our relationships. Proverbs 17, 17, a, love, a friend loveth at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. Sometimes we have friends because what we can do for them or what they can get out of us. But we start going through trouble, oh, you'll find out who your friends really are. When people making accusations against you and saying things bad against you, you'll find out who your friends are. We, talk, we looked at the Through suffering and heartache. God uses morrows or bitternesses to perish to comfort others. I shared this verse with Brother Chuck. I said, Brother Chuck, maybe the reason why you're going through all this is because God maybe is trying to teach you something through all this suffering and pain and sorrow so that you may be able to teach others also. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comfort us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort I can't help somebody the way that maybe they should be helped if I'm not gone through that problem myself. Bitter waters, babbling of blaming of Israel, the beseeching of the Lord. Beseeching of the Lord. Look at verse 25. The Bible says in verse 25, and he said, If thou, excuse me, verse 25, and he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him his tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a, a, statu- a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. He cried, out unto, he cried unto God. He cried unto God. We all need to cry out for God to help. The response of your trial will reveal your maturity. You see, when trials and troubles come, you know the first thing we want to do? We want to run. Trouble comes in your job, first thing you want to do is change job. How many times are you going to change jobs? I know people who have changed, and I have known them a few years, and they've changed jobs at least ten times. Dear friend, that's no life. In every job I've ever had in my entire life, there were troubles. (laughs) You're going to have some good bosses. You're not going to have bad bosses. But just because you have not a very good boss who's not very kind, you don't just give them quit. No, man. You folks that are married, you're not going to be married very long if every, every time a little trouble, you just jump ship. No. You stick with it. You, re- you weather storms. You trust God. You get the Valentine's present. <laughs> A man was listening to the radio when he was talking about Valentine's presents. He thought to himself, I'm a, you know, how should I do this? Because, you know, I've failed many times, and I know few of us guys have failed. 
we, we, we went home and, and bought our wives a iron, and that probably wasn't the best Valentine's present. That's like year one marriage. Okay, after that, you, you get excuse once, but after that, don't do it anymore. <laughs> Irons, uh, coffee makers, you know, unless they ask for it, you know, those, you know, dishwashers. Yeah, hypothetically, that never happened. Oh, yes, I've failed in all those areas. That's why I'm here tonight trying to help you. <laughs> this, guy, this guy heard on the radio. He said, you know, don't. Don't just go home now. Now, you men, don't just go home and, and, and go to your couch and, you know, get on the sofa and say to your wife, what you going to fix me? That probably won't work on Valentine's Day. <laughs> so, the man, so the man thought, I'm going to do it different this time. I'm going to go buy some flowers. I'm going to get some candy. And he didn't open the garage door and go through the garage door and, you know, go to the couch and ask his wife, what are you going to fix me? As he does most days, he walks, he goes to the door, rings the doorbell, and waits for his wife to show up. She opens the door, looks at him and says, listen, buster, the baby had colic today. The washing machine was broken down. The toilet overflowed in the bathroom. Junior... <laughs> and another boy got in a fight today at school, was expelled, and now I might have expected you come home drunk. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, how are you going to respond to troubles when they come? How are you going to respond? Moses got direction from God. When you're going through trouble, let me encourage you to do, ask God for help. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God that give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. You believe that? You believe you can ask God for wisdom, he'll give you wisdom. Secondly, when you're going through trouble, don't just ask God for wisdom. Ask others. There's wisdom and a multitude of counselors. When you're going through trouble and you're thinking about changing something, oh, dear friend, don't just quick to, just don't jump ship because it feels convenient or things don't, don't seem to go your way. Ask God, first, first of all, don't ask Facebook. No, 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 no. Don't ask Dr. Phil. No, no, no. Ask God for wisdom. Secondly, find some godly folks who've been saved a quite a while, who've gone through some storms and trials and wars, and ask them for wisdom. Go through that and take time. There's a, there's a truism. Fools rush in. Oh, dear friend, be wise in your decision-making. Lady just told me this this morning. We're talking about marriage, and I gave the illustration about Ruth Graham. She said, "I work down at the at the courthouse, city courthouse." She said, "I see people go and get married, and within 24 hours, are getting a divorce. Within 24 hours, did they ask God about it? Did they go to mom and dad about it?" Dear friend, divorce is not like changing shoes. Dear friend, this is serious. 
But people make life decisions frivolously. Jobs, marriage, children, church. Oh, dear friend, pray and ask God for wisdom. Don't try to do it yourself. You see the bitters, waters, the babbling and the blaming of Israel, the beseeching of the Lord, the blueprint for blessing. Naomi was healed by the love and care of Ruth, the barren Hannah who gave birth to her son Samuel. Job's health and prosperity was restored to the Lord. Yes, God leads through bitter wells to show us he's the healer of bitter waters. The Bible says in verse 26, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and thou wilt do which is right in his eyes, and will give ear to the commandments, and keep the statutes which I put, I will put none of these diseases upon you, and have brought you uh, brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. He's the Lord who heals us. He's the Lord who heals us. God leads us through bitter waters to show us he's the healer of bitter waters, and the Lord is no respecter of persons. Yes, we go through troubles. Yes, we go through trials many times because we need them. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. You have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh in you as children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he received. What's he saying? You needed it. Every spanking that my parents gave me, I needed it. I thank God for it. I needed a whole lot more. When God in his mercy and his love brings trouble in our life, it's not because he doesn't care. We know he cares. For if he sent his son to die for our sins, don't you think he cares about our soul? But you think he cares about our life. He cares about our circumstance. He cares about our problems. He cares about our pain. Sure he does. Thank him. We need protection. He's our shield. We need correction. He's our shepherd. We need, sometimes when we suffer through exhaustion and depletion, he recognizing he's our supplier. We need affection. He's our serenity. We need when we face rejection and, and dejection, recognizing he's our sustainer. When we suffer from problems, we recognize he's our strength. When we need perseverance, we know he's our shelter. When we suffer through agitation, apprehension, dissatisfaction, he is our satisfier. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10 and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And even after they went through this bitter, and God healed them, God gave them even further blessing. God gave them even further blessing. Buddha said, your pit is only a state of mind. Hindu said, the pit is for purging you and making you more perfect. Confucius said, if you have listened to me, you would have never fallen in the pit in the first place. The New Ager said, maybe you should network with some other pit dwellers. The country inspector said, you have a permit for that pit? The realist said, is that a pit? The idealist said, the word shouldn't, the word shouldn't have pits. The world shouldn't have pits. The optimist said, Things could be worse. The pessimist says things will get worse. 
But Jesus, seeing the man, took the man by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. He's our provider. The Lord lifted the Israelites out of the pit. What's the Bible tell us in Acts chapter 3, verse 19? Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come upon you in the presence of the Lord. Psalm 126, verse 2, I was praying this, as or talking about before the prayer. When our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue and singing, then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. See, it's God who does it all. Even through the troubles and the trials and the bitternesses that we go through, God is our supplier. He's our help. He's our strength. He's our sustainer. And he'll bring us through. Paul understood it. In jail he wrote, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Are you content tonight? You say, Preacher, I'm going through a problem. Maybe God's allowing that problem. Are you content in it? Are you lonely tonight? Maybe God's allowing that loneliness. Are you content in it? Maybe there's lessons you'll only learn in your loneliness. Maybe there's lessons you'll learn only in your trial. Maybe there's lessons you'll learn only in your pain. Maybe there's lessons you'll only know in your depression. Maybe there's lessons you'll only in your frustration. Maybe there's lessons you'll only learn in your suffering. What will you learn? Or will you run and you change? Will you try to get away from it and get out of it because it's too difficult? What will you do when that bitterness finds you? What will you do? I'll tell you what Paul tells us to do. Therefore, my beloved, be you there steadfast, immovable. Don't run. Don't quit. Don't change. Be steadfast, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's easy to quit. It's easy to give up. It's easy to go somewhere else. It's easy to do something different. Anybody can do that. Stick to your work. Stick to where God's called you. Stay through the trial. Stay in the marriage. Stay faithful. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and others as yourself. And then we come to the other side. The Bible says, and they came to Elam, where twelve wells of water and three score ten palm trees, and they're encamped there by the waters. At the end of it, on the other side, God brings blessing. Dear friend, on the other side is blessing. Blessing is coming for all of us. If we'll wait. If we'll patient, if we'll be patient. But sometimes, friends, in the midst of trouble and trial, we just give up. Instead of waiting through, instead of praying through, instead of asking God for wisdom, instead of asking others for wisdom, instead of praying and asking God for strength, we give up, we quit. And just on the other side of Mara, just on the other side, just a little bit of ways of Elam, where there's wells and there's palm trees, a place of blessing, a place of abundance, a place of a provision. But we'll never get to Elam unless we go through Mara. You'll never enjoy Elam until you go through Mara. Because you go this way, and you go this way, and you go this way, and you go that. Stick to what God has planned for you. Stick to the course. Don't give up. 
Bob Jones used to say it this way. The test of your character is what it takes to stop you. How is your character? How is your character? One of these days we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. Our sins are going to be forgiven. But we're going to be judged on our character. Our character. What do we do for Jesus Christ from the moment of salvation to the moment we meet him? What are we going to do? Do we stay through difficulties? Did we stay through trials and hardship and pain and sorrow and suffering? Did we stick with it? Or the first sign of opposition, whoop, where, where'd he go? I don't know. He was here one day, next thing he's gone. No, dear friend, be faithful. Be faithful. Remember, it wasn't too long ago. Just the first week of January, we all stood down here. We all held hands. Most of us did. We said, from 1 Corinthians, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful. Not talented. Not educated. Not gifted. Not, not charismatic. Not good looking. Not with hair, praise God. From that moment you stood here to this moment, have you been faithful? Have you been? Trials come, preacher. Yeah. Sickness, heartache, finances, inflation. Yeah. Taxes, bills. Yeah. Struggle, temptation. Yeah. Backbiting, jealousy, anger. Yeah. And more's coming. It's not getting lighter, friends, anytime soon. It's only going to get darker. A lot darker. A lot darker. What will you do in the darkness? Be like the rest of the darkness? Some people say, Preacher, why are you up there in Gainesville, all those liberals? I say, the darker the night, the brighter the light. Let's shine for Jesus and be faithful to him. Father, we thank you for your goodness and thank you for your grace. Oh God, we know there's going to be times we can expect bitterness, troubles, trials, problems, pains, heartaches, disappointments, persecutions, frustrations. Friends we thought were loyal, not so much. Faithlessness, Demoth hath forsaken me, have love and, having loved this present world. All types of issues, pain, sorrow, sicknesses. How will we respond to those maras, those bitternesses? Giving up, quit, pack your bags, go somewhere else? Or trust you. Thank you, Jesus, that you did not give up. Thank you that you went all the way, all the way to Calvary. You shed your blood. You died on that cross. You was buried. You rose again. You suffered the pain, the agony, the suffering, the, 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 the hate, the jealousy. You suffered it all for me. You suffered it all for me. Oh, and for the whole world so we could have salvation. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, I beg you, I plead with you, don't walk away from this place 
hoping you have salvation. I pray you'll leave this place knowing you have salvation. If you don't know it, would you come see me, Brother, Brother Clayton, Brother Pete, my wife, someone else? Please, please, please. If you don't know, you know Christ, please. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're going through a trouble. You're going through a tribal. Maybe no, no one else in the whole world knows but you and God. Maybe this message is for you. I believe God had this here for a reason and a purpose on this night for someone, maybe someone specifically this evening. Maybe tonight you say, preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know. I, I can't even explain it to you. It's too much. Maybe God's trying to help you. Maybe God's trying to teach you. Maybe God's trying to purge you. Maybe God's trying to strengthen you. I don't know exactly why God's doing it, but maybe you do. Maybe you needed this tonight. Say, preacher, God is trying to help me in my life. I'm going through a trial or trouble, and I need to grow in my relationship to God. I need his help. I need his strength tonight. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all tonight? God is trying to help me. God is trying to strengthen me. God is trying to work in my life. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. Someone else, I'm going through a purging, a struggle, a trial, a difficulty. I'm being tempted to change. I'm being tempted to quit. I'm being tempted to give up. Would you pray for me, preacher? We stand at our feet as the piano plays. God's working your heart tonight. Would you do business with God?